Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another We Are Sunland Morning Briefing, and this one is another special episode. We sat down with Ben Turner, for well 73 for a deep dive in the latest series of Sunland Till I Die. If you haven't watched Series 3 yet, head over to Netflix and give it a watch, as there may be one or two spoilers in this episode, and no, we don't mean the result of Wembley. You can still subscribe to our website, Launch Offer, with six months of coverage available for just £1. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, share the video, and make sure you've got your notification bell turned on. That's enough from me. Let's get into the video. Hello and welcome back to another We Are Sunland recording in partnership with the Farm Museum. It's myself, Mike Hewitt, Joe Ramage, and today we're joined by uh, the brilliant Ben Turner from Fullwell 73. How are you doing, Ben? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, all good. The weather's not great outside, but yeah, we're going to talk about Sunland, so... What better? What better is there? I'm guessing it's been a very busy sort of period for you with, with the launch of the new series coming up. But how have you seen the last sort of couple of weeks and now that we, we're here and, and it's about to be released? Oh, it's great. It's great. I mean, obviously, Something Till I Die is hugely uh, personal and important to us. Um, and it's, yeah, it's amazing to see it go back out in the world. It really is a thing that, you know, is is meaningful, not just to Sunderland fans, but, you know, beyond. And uh, it's, it, it, I, I love nothing more than talking about Sunderland. So if I can, the more of my working day spent doing that, the better, especially talking, especially talking about promotion uh, beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we'll come on to that in a second. But just in terms of the series as a whole, I, I know obviously you have your hand in plenty of other documentaries and shows before this, but... It, it feels like this one in particular was sort of the start of a trend for these kind of sporting documentaries coming out. We've seen a lot in the years since that have followed this path. Is that something that you are proud of? How do you see that, the way that we've seen some of these documentaries? I mean, you look at the Wrexham one, for example, that one, they say that it's inspired by this one. Yeah, absolutely. It's great, man. I feel very proud of that. I mean, there have been a few very lucky trends in the world of TV, in our times, filmmakers that have sort of broken favorably for us, and one of them has definitely been the rise of sports docs. And I mean, yeah, but I think when we were when we were a lot younger, documentaries were a bit like homework and for people to watch. And in our time, they've become entertainment and fun. And sport sports are great for documentaries because a lot of the time you can be following someone, and you're obviously at the mercy of events and if nothing's happening, you're in a bind. Whereas you do, if you follow a sports team, they play a game every week. So everyone, whatever happens, people are going to succeed or fail in a very measurable and binary fashion. So it's really, it, it, it's quite, it's quite obviously a good way, good world to make documentaries in, but it took a while for it to catch on. And we've been lucky to be a part of that process. Yeah. I mean, you talk about events as well. Sunderland's a club that certainly has had its events over the last couple of years, but as fans as well it, it must have been almost surreal I guess to go behind the curtain and, and try and bring that out given I mean what was the sort of lowest point of, of the club's history really I think it's fair to say absolutely absolutely <laughs> I mean I, 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 
I didn't, after the second season, I didn't watch football for about a year. And I didn't really watch football until the Euros. I just couldn't take it anymore. Because I basically, the end, what you want at the end of one of those seasons is to try and forget about it for a bit. And then yeah. convince yourself that next year we're going to go up, you know. Whereas I would have to go to an edit suite and watch and rewatch that footage over and over again, and then try and distill it into its most painful form, and then say, "Is that making is everyone finding that painful and, and emotional?" Love? No, not quite. All right, put some sadder music on it. And so by you know by it really emotionally beat me up, uh, and it took a bit of a while to to recover from that. Getting to getting to show this season. That we showed in the uh, in, in in the series in series three was definitely uh, much more enjoyable. It, yeah, how many times did you watch that winning Charlton goal through gravity? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you know, and also in all the trailers and the commentary. I mean, just you know. So, so did that stem you? Like, did you think that you would have done a third season at that point just to try and get that redemption arc? Almost think right, we've, we've been here. This has been relegation, and then we missed out so close. Yeah, it was always in the back of your mind to think, no, we need to keep need to do where to the point where we get the high of yeah. of a promotion. I definitely wanted to show Sunderland fans celebrating. You know, I think I do think the part of what people love about it is watching people suffer. Because <laughs> uh, we've got me, me and Gabe and, and Leo have, have, and rest of the team for many chats about you know about well about football in general and the sport in general and we come to the conclusion considering only one team ever wins the league or the competitive cup competition or whatever like the football must be about more than winning and so a lot of our stuff is like well what is that and i think you know community the catharsis of it all was was very super interesting to explore but ultimately as Sunderland fans it's also really nice <laughs> to see Sunderland fans happy and to see us on top of the world um, and understand, I think that um, how what that that moment at Wembley meant. Because for many years, this is something that Gabe was said to me really. But that you know, in the in the past, certainly when when we had, when we when we got relegated to the old Division Three and went up in '88, it was a bit like it was it was great fun. But there was a sense of like we do not belong there. And so yeah, it's, it's brilliant we got promoted, but. Let's not go. Let's not go over the board. Over. Let's not get get carried away with that. We we're back. Where we, you know we don't belong there. And I think you know. I remember when we went up with Kino the first time. He was like, "There's no open top parade. We belong in the Premier League." And I like I like that attitude too. Yeah. We we cut a line of commentary when some, when we get promoted at the end of season three, where the commentators go, "Sunderland are back where they belong." I'm like, "We are not back where we belong. <laughs> Premier League is where we belong." This is so. So there's that, but 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 I sort of came to understand through the making of this that it really football's about moments, you know, and about these little these pockets of joy that you have, uh, and where everyone's together. And it's you know, I, I think I actually the moment where we the, the the winner against Sheffield Wednesday almost was it was you know in a different way, as great as Wembley, you know. And I, I was I was thinking also recently because I've been talking about this a lot, Luton Town at home at the end of last year. You know, and we just knew we were going to get back in it, and the moment, you know, it was just that's great. You're just there, you're loving, you're loving life, and you know it's going to happen. Um, so the ability, the, the the kind of the the opportunity to to put that on screen was very exciting and unmissable for us. Obviously, throughout this series, you obviously speak with there was a change in ownership in between the two series. You get to speak with one Satori yeah. and, and Kirill. I mean. Again, you've sort of done what even even the media sort of haven't been able to do the mainstream media because it's yeah. been so so kept behind closed doors. How was it interacting with them? Because again, it's having watched it, you, you get a real insight into Kirill as a human being, and, and yeah. it's it's something that I think 
hasn't, you know, it hasn't sports haven't been able to resonate with that, but I feel like they can when when you watch it. Yeah. Well that in a way is part of what our job is, I think. Like, you know, we, when you're making one of these shows, that obviously the football's amazing and the dressing room's amazing. There's a load of things that are gonna unless you're totally incapable are gonna be amazing or interesting and captivating. So it's like what are you gonna add to it? How are you gonna do it properly? And a guy like Kirill, he's you know, he's quiet. And he can come and English is a second language, and he can come he can come across quite flat, but he's a really interesting like he's a really interesting guy. He's a really nice guy. He's thought about it things a lot, uh, and it's I think when we have a little bit more time to sort of de- to to chat to them and develop that relationship a bit, and weirdly you want to tell the other story, and and if they're going to do it, they're usually on board to tell something a bit deeper about why he actually cares about it, why it's meaningful for him, you know, and, and, and what's in it. And I, for, for me, there was a thing right at the beginning when I first met him and I was chatting to him about it. He said to me, we were talking about them sacking B. Johnson, and he said that he felt that, because at the time it was a, felt a little bit trigger-happy, and mm-hmm. I was asking, we were talking about it, and he said, look, we, there's no point finish. there's no difference between finishing third and sixth in this league. Like it's playoff. If you're better off going into the playoffs with momentum than limping into it, and he was like, at that point, I felt that like we weren't going up automatically. We just the way we were playing, we were we were getting cut adrift. It wasn't just that we got beat, we got thumped at at Bolton. But he was like, if I'm going to do something, I'm better off doing it now. And then if we have a wobble, that's okay because as long as we can recover in time to make the playoffs and and go into it with momentum, that's the best scenario. And I was like, oh, he's really thought about it. I was like, this is a guy, you know, he's really thought about it and it and really made sense. And it's that, you know, getting to that kind of place where you can talk properly. And I suppose when, but a lot of the interviews they do, they're a bit like, oh my God, what are they going to ask me there? It's like they, they, sort of, they feel like they're the, the people are out to get them. Whereas if you've got a little bit more time and you have a few bites at the cherry and you can develop that relationship a bit, then you can access something a bit more interesting. Yeah, it's like the guard drops almost, isn't it? And yeah, particularly yeah. with Juan Satori, he's he's somebody who has remained in the background. I found what he said about Roy Keane fascinating. I mean, if you yeah. look back at those conversations, how, how did they sort of come about? Do you mean how with with Juan or with or well, with both? Yeah, yeah. Was it easy to get Juan in, involved in in talking because he's somebody that that has remained in the background for for the large sort of period of his time at the club. Yeah, no, he was up for it. I mean, they they know the value of the series. Mm. Like, you know, that Sunderland wouldn't have, uh, would, probably wouldn't have the international footprint that they do without the series. So, and you know, they want the club to be worth as much as possible and and have that profile. So they're on board with you know doing it. And he's very gregarious, Juan. I mean, he's great fun. He's great fun, and he's he's a great talker. Um, so yeah, well, once they were doing it, and again, they felt that they can trust us. Then then yeah, they seems to be pretty happy to open up. As you say there, obviously the third series is is the pinnacle, isn't it, compared to the two that that came beforehand? I think sometimes for Sunderland supporters, they they look back on on the two series and when they win League One through no fault of anyone involved, but it, it became a bit of a, a stick, didn't it, to to beat supporters with in the sense of you know chance of we saw you crying on the telly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, this time round, the, yeah. the, the the tears of completely different reasons, aren't they? Absolutely, and, and but I got to tell you, standing there at a Sunderland game and hearing your opposition fans singing, I saw you crying on Netflix, and think I did that. <laughs> it's like it was pretty. It's pretty that's I was like that's the, being like loving football so much, but not being very good. 
it's basically the closest I'm ever going to get to play for Sunderland. And so, like, it was quite, I quite liked it when they were singing that. And I felt that, like, you know, as a, as a supporter of the club, to have felt that you've done something, you know, for the club like that is, is was a great buzz. The actual making of it was, was especially the editing after the series was quite was painful. But some of those moments, it was quite. I'll be honest, it's quite special. Yeah, you talk about it, like how the series has taken the club internationally as well. How yeah. important in that aspect then was it to get the community across? Like we see it in in this series with the with the Durham uh, veterans, which I thought was really good when Jack Clark yeah. and Patrick Roberts go down there. You just really see how much it means, don't you, week to yeah. week and what everyone kind of does and how they just sort of live for a Saturday. And it's really good to see the players given back in yeah. that situation as well. Totally, and also it's like. I, I, it's a beautiful part of the world and people are like, there's a beautiful set of people. And you look at like, Camus is, Andrew Camus is one of the people who who's the most gratifying in the series to tell his story, just in little increments over like over three series. You meet him in the first series and he's sort of funny. And you don't really know much about him. And then you find out that he's a veteran and you find out some of what he's, some of what he's been through. And you go to Memorial Day with him. And then, you know, and now you catch up with him in Series 3 and he's got this, you know, he's got a place to support the veterans. And it's it, it's lovely to get to just gently advance that story as you get to know these people and show that, you know, I've been asked a lot on this because, you know, we've got some other, we're trying to start a studio up in Sunderland and we've, put, we've got a, uh, an office up in Sunderland. We've got the, we describe it as the Holy, Trin- Holy Trinity of global production, London, LA, Sunderland. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, but it's like when people ask me a lot, like what's so special about what about Sunderland, and it, you know it's the people, man. It's the people up there. It, 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 it's such a special part of the world, and to try and explain why I love this football club so much and why I love this part of the world so much, you've got to get into that. And they don't. They make it very easy for you because they're great and they're great on camera. And I think it's a sort of defining feature of the Northeast that people are generous with their time. And give you, you know, and what love and natter, <laughs> want to have a chat, you know what I mean? So, like, what you got to put that on that is that that magic is there. It, it's a very easy win for the series. It's you know, you, you just, just open the tap and then it comes out. Yeah, how important was it to get some of those cash back? You know, think of Peter as well in, in his cab. You, you see his journey. You know, you're speaking about that. He's just there speaking. So we can we go from games and then it, it, he's gone through everything that the club's gone through vicariously just driving through. It's it's surreal, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very you're, unique. But in some in Peter Farry, you're giving the world that guy who's sat by you at football all your life. That yeah. um, you know, that guy that guy is a little bit more grown up than you. He's been there a few seasons beforehand. You know what I mean? He's that that wise old head. Like that's part of going to Sunderland is that is and probably most clubs is you know those people around you who make it like. That's what I mean. You didn't go there to see them win. You went there to watch it with Peter Farrer and moan with Peter Farrer and have them celebrate with Peter Farrer and give him a hug when we, you know, when we scored a great goal. That's like that's it. Yeah, and you speak about the people as well, and, and the the series pulls on the heartstrings in various ways on and off the field. And one person I do just want to bring up is Louise Wellness. I think it was really yeah. touching that you you brought that in and and she was included because she was such a big personality at the football club wasn't she absolutely absolutely and a big part of the first two series you know we worked really closely with her it was she you know she was one of the, the people we originally agreed to make the series with like kept they weren't there you know by the end of it and she was all the way through with us and not easy you know a lot of the time people didn't want to be filmed in their in their lowest ebbs 
in their most difficult moments. Um, and she had to broker a lot of that and be in the middle of it, you know. And uh, and you, when you work and you know you work, especially obviously, you know, when the club already means so much to you. But to get to work, you know, with someone like that over a few years, you they they come to mean a lot to you, and, and yeah, it felt it felt important to one of that. It was part of the story of the club. It's also you know part of our story and part of anyone who's been involved in the club story. What do you hope that, or, or what is the sort of take from from this series? Is there a sense of finishing the story, so to speak? Is that where yeah. you feel this has gone? Yeah, I feel like it's it's a really good third act to the other two. It's not the same as the other two series, and in a way, it shouldn't be because the other two series are the other. You know, they have each of them had their own kind of mark to it. Um, uh, but I, I think more of what the sort of subtext of it, and I hope this is a subtext for the whole country, not just Sunderland. But as it, it, it's quite a, it's a really weird time to be alive, isn't it? The news is so depressing and like. It, it, things are pretty worrying, but I felt in Sunderland that there's a, there is a regeneration happening. I think there's a, there's a sense of the city when I when I I mean I grew up in London, so I see Sunderland a little bit from the outside, um, which gives a slightly different perspective on it. I feel like there's a sense in the city that that this kind of slightly dilapidated city centre isn't the focus of Sunderland now. It's like a, it, it, it's a it's a wider imprint. There's stuff happening beyond there the coast is is coming up the city has a sense of itself a, a bit wider than it was before and i think things are happening up in sunderland and i think that as you feel the club coming up a little bit and getting themselves together i think that i think that parallels with what's happening in the in in the city and i hope i think that like we are, a lot of the time in the kind of cultural conversation we're motivated by fear a lot and you know, so you think about like, the climate and stuff. It's like they just scare the shit out of you on everything, and that's your call to arms. It's like if we don't do this, we. But I think the hope is 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 a stronger motivating factor, um, and I feel that there, I feel that like my time, in, especially in this last series, I felt it felt very hopeful to me, um, and I hope that comes across in this series. And I hope that like, I hope it's true. And if it's not true, I hope that by talking about it enough, we make it true. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it there as well. Just in terms of the impact of the club on the community, we see it through all of the series. Just, yeah, just how how big is it? Like when if the club's doing well, it does feel as though the entire city thrives, in, yeah. and you get that from yeah. everyone that, that's in it. And, and it is that like you hear people say, "Oh, the Northeast fans, they love the football," but it's true, isn't it? Dude, it's so true, and that's all. That was also amazing in that Luton game. Actually, that that Luton game last year was like it felt like we were always going to get a result because we knew we were going to get a result. You know, like there was a feedback loop. It wasn't. It it was going. You know, we. It it was. It was. It is amazing. It is amazing when it's going well. Now, I guess that's what we wanted to sort of put out there, uh, partly in the series. But yeah, it's super connected. It's very. It's very special. Is that why there's been that sort of determination to get the studios in Sunderland as well absolutely you know it, we well when we make you know we when we finished the second series of Sunderland till I die and we were and we were going to have a bit of a break it was pretty depressing watching what was a brilliant production team like we get to do all the interviews but there's a lot of very dedicated and brilliant people that make this show and go you know and and, and the University of Sunderland is a fantastic place and their course there is amazing um and then we finished it. And so there's a lot of talent coming through. And then we, 
watch the team break apart after we made that second series. And everyone, if they want to carry on working in the industry, they probably have to move down south or at least travel a hell of a lot for work, all the people who worked on it. And that didn't feel right. And we've spent, we've all heard it around, you know, what it used to be and the coal mines and the shipbuilding. And we know there's a lot of empty buildings up there. And there's also a sense of like, there's a lot of wasted potential. Well, that's the, the wasted potential is depressing. It's also, again, it's hopeful because people can get on, if people up there, uh, they can get on board with something, they will, and they'll make it brilliant. And so, as I say, the University of Sunderland is brilliant. You look at the World Cup, England's World Cup starting 11, there's two Sunderland lads in there, you know, they're like, for a club that's been like, utterly crap for such a long time and so badly run, there are some people inside that club doing doing pretty well if that's happening. So we've, yeah, and as we have a romantic, I say, I've, I have a bit of an overly romanticized view. I grew up in Camden Town and thought I was the unluckiest person in the world because heaven is in, up in Sunderland. You know what I mean? And I've maintained that for a bit. And if we, but I do believe in the region very much. And I, and, I, and I, we, we feel like it would be, you know, it, it would be, that would be some legacy to have been part of that. They're talking about eight, eight and a half thousand jobs if the studio goes ahead, you know, and hunt, you know, just millions of pounds worth of investment. And I just, I'm ram, rambling on, I'll stop in one second, but I just, I, I feel that like it's good, it's good for people to see that's possible. Young, the, the, the kids, like our cousins who I know and the people who grow up around me look at us because, you know, it's me and my brother and my cousin Leo. And they, the little cousins who know us, they're like, well, if those idiots can do it, it just cannot be that difficult. And they're right, you know. And, and I think that, like, it's like you need to have that expectation and, and, and an infrastructure because a lot of it's luck. And yeah. so, yeah, if, you can, if we can help be a, be a part of that happening, then what an amazing, what an amazing thing. Just just to round it off, because I'm aware, you know, you're a busy, busy man. But before, obviously, I ask you this question, if you haven't yeah. seen it yet, go and watch it before yeah. listening to this question. Then come back and listen, because obviously we don't want to give any spoilers away. But as you know, as you get to the end, it's it's a perfect romantic ending of, of it coming full circle, isn't it? It's really emotional. Yeah. It pulls on the heartstrings. And I think it just perfectly captures what Sunderland Football Club is all about. And it's the whole reason behind doing, you know, a series like this, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Well, we started with Father Mark in the church because we wanted to say this is not, this is, you've seen football docs before, you've not seen something like this. This is about a lot more than just what's going to happen on the pitch. Um, and I feel, emo every time I watch the end of it, um, I, I even now I feel emotional just talking about it. But uh yeah, it was a hell of an ending and it felt appropriate to end that way um, because it's a community. It is about a community and it's, you know, it's a, it's a very fractured world. There are very few places where everyone can come together. And I think that, you know, being together with that community of people is really important. And that ending, I really think, reflects that. Um, and it kills me every time. <laughs> but I love it too. Yeah, I mean, do, is do you see that as the perfect ending or... Or is there still potential? No, the, perfect ending is winning, the perfect ending is us winning the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> and when that happens, we will be there, I promise. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> you have touched on it there, just the potential return to the Premier League. Would you not consider it yeah. then? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. We'll wait and see. I mean, we felt that we we didn't want to... Each series has to take it on and have something new to it. Yeah. So... But if that's if that's out there, yeah, I mean, any any excuse to spend time in Sunderland is is I'll take. So, yeah, 
Thanks very much for joining us, Ben. That's been absolutely brilliant. We really appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.